everyone. Welcome back to the Leadership Locker. The St. Louis trip involved three awesome interviews, and this one I'm going to be talking about today is specifically with Ben Newman. Okay, Ben is a mental toughness coach. I, I mean, I don't even know what to say. Works for Kansas State. Works for University of Alabama. Started with North Dakota. Was a top 2% financial advisor. Has a speaker's bureau. Has multiple multiple streams of revenue from all of his coaching businesses and systems. Uh, I mean, look, I don't, I don't know what to tell you, except there's a point, and I don't even know if I have this on the actual podcast, but when my wife and I were there, uh, we're in his awesome, incredible office, and he says, some people have hired me specifically because of my fitness routine, which starts, I think, around 3 a.m., and he's on, I think... 600 I could tell you right now but he's around 650 straight days of doing a 45 minute ridiculous workout and he's an animal he's an animal he I mean number one he's incredibly kind number two he is incredibly efficient and number three is he's in ridiculous shape like it's embarrassing I feel completely embarrassed you know when I see some of the workouts he's done or when he once in a while will be like you know, in a tank or whatever, or like phase three complete or what. I'm just like, dude, I need to get on that level. So anyway, let's talk about what we're going to talk about with him, though. We talk about pivoting because, I mean, he was in financial services and then he started, you know, being a, a mental performance coach at universities. He coaches Super Bowl athletes. He coaches professional athletes. I mean, he's so tied in. It's just it's just crazy. So we talk about pivoting. But more importantly, we talk about clarity and focus, which you know and I know is always, always one of the most difficult things to achieve. He talks about the importance of these things. He talks about how he helps people achieve clarity and focus. And he also just talks about the importance of coaching. And he has two coaches. He's had coaches. He talks about ownership. He talks about just, uh, how do I even explain it? He, he, he really makes you understand that if you're not focused, that's okay. But clarity and focus are what's going to get you further faster than anything. And I felt that. I felt that by the end of the interview. I mean, Ann and I were just talking, talking, talking about, man, like, am I really doing what I need to be doing in terms of the business? Am I really doing it for the right reasons? What are my goals? Why are those my goals? I mean, all these questions that we have. Listen in. Be enlightened. Let's start the show. All right, Ben, so I already introduced you, so we'll go ahead and kind of pick up, so to speak. On my way over here, my wife and I were talking about transitions and we're like, okay, and we talked about financial advisor, top 2% dominating, and then there's like this pivot to working with athletes. And I'm like, Ben's not won a Super Bowl. <laughs> ben does not lead the league in rushing or anything like that. And my immediate question is, how does someone make that transition into a completely different sector, so to speak? Well, first off, let me say that people thought I was crazy, <laughs> right? And I think maybe that's the first thing that I could share is I think we always have to remember we only live once. And so if there's dreams that you have, give yourself permission to chase those dreams. You know, surround yourself with those advocates who love you, they believe in you, they support you. I had plenty of those that believed me and supported me, others that said I was crazy. Yeah. Thank goodness I had a tendency yeah. to listen to the people who believed in me because it turned out to not be so on the crazy side. But I think for all of us, 
there's lessons that we learn in life. And one of the lessons I learned was wherever you are, learn as much as you can in those chapters of your journey because they might prepare you for the next one. Mm -hmm. And so what a lot of people don't know is that I was actually running two companies at the exact same time. So I started speaking. First time I was ever hired to speak was 2006. I began as a financial advisor in 2004. And so uh, not to impress anybody, but to impress upon the point, I got off to such a fast start as an advisor because of my passion and my conviction for the work, which is part of my story. That for me, it was an invitation to go and speak in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And they were like, we'll pay you $500 to come and speak. And I'm like, this is a thing. I was, 20, <laughs> I was 26. I'm like, yeah. you pay people to speak. And mm-hmm. so I went, fell in love with it, started doing both. And then by 2010, I mean, I had a team. There was staff, two companies growing. And I finally just decided to stop trying to control it. I think for so many of us in our lives, when you're at that pivotal transition or period of time, we try to control it. Like, when is it supposed to happen? Tell me when. What's the date going to be? And the reality was, I didn't know. Mm-hmm. Did so, you even know what it was when you're oh, like, what? I, I, I knew I'd be doing what I'm doing now. Oh. I feel tremendously blessed and lucky that some doors have opened to do some things that have really been like a dream for me. Mm-hmm. I didn't know all of those things would happen. But I knew probably back in 2008 or 2009 that speaking and writing was always going to be part of my life. Coaching was always going to be part of my life. I didn't know then that I was going to leave. And then in 2010, one of my coaches, and she still coaches me today. She's actually in the Carolinas as well. And she challenged me. She's like, why are you trying to control something that's not in your control? She's like, what if every day you just woke up and you said, I surrender to God. God, whatever your plan is, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pay attention, and I will walk through the doors that you open. I'm done trying to control it. And sure enough, 100% of my time, by the time I got to 2012, was speaking, writing, and coaching. So if you called me to evaluate your insurance portfolio or your investments, Rich, I didn't have time to call you back. And so then I began a two-year transition uh, to a partner of mine who ended up purchasing my practice, and I transitioned my practice to him. And it all, it all worked out the way that it was supposed to. So... And again, I, I talked about not preparing questions, and this is exactly why, because I'm like, I want to dig further into this. So I prefer I, that, actually. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, so you're surrendering now, but you literally built something, and you're like, it's grown so much. How do you say goodbye to that when that's literally what has shaped what's possible now? D- does that make sense? Like, it's kind of like you're, you're getting a divorce from that to do something else. How well, do you- I, I remember, and I, I don't know if I've ever shared this in an interview, Our managing partner at the time, we had a transition of managing partners, and the managing partner at the time, when he knew, I mean, I was in the top 2%, and so it's not like I was somebody who was like, oh, I didn't make it as an advisor, so I'm going to go try this. I mean, I was making a really nice living where people literally thought I was crazy, and I remember he called a meeting with me, and he like put all these numbers in front of me, like, here's your future income off of what you've already sold, here's your renewals that you'll be leaving behind, here's all this, and he's like, how could you walk away from this? And I'm like, I'm going to walk away from it, and he (laughs) Like, have you lost your mind? And I just, I believe in belief, if that makes sense. Yeah. And the experience of me accepting Christ back in 2008, I was born Jewish, so you don't meet a lot of people who are Jews for Jesus. So you hang around me, you'll be okay. You're, 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 I've never heard that before. You're duly protected. And so for me, when I went through that experience of accepting Christ, I just learned over time, like, okay, all this challenge and adversity that I've been through in my life, it's actually happened for a reason. It may have been painful. <clears throat> there might have been significant challenge. Maybe there are periods of time I couldn't stand what I was going through, but it all happened for a reason. And so why am I going to doubt 
what God is trying to shape in my life. And so it was very powerful for me when my coach, Laura Pierce, encouraged me to do the surrendering because then it was really all in. It was, I'm really, so at that point, it didn't matter what numbers he put in front of me. My belief was I was following the plan that God had for me. And I believed that if I put the work behind the plan that he had in place for me, that everything was going to take care of itself. And so just fast forward to today, one thing that has never changed, because I think this is very important and it's something I always share with our corporate clients as well as athletes, is don't be seduced by success. So I think there's a a lot of individuals, they may say, oh, I, I win one day at a time. Like, that's all I focus on. I have big goals and vision for our company. But once that vision's set, I work every day. And I'm blessed to have a team that now focuses on working every day. And we joke a lot. We're like, gosh, like we actually do what we teach, right? We just focus on one day at a time. So the belief is still there to keep focusing one day at a time because I still feel like we're just scratching the surface. So this podcast is for entrepreneurs or young entrepreneurs like myself, like Andy likes to say, right? Like between in the first few years. And, and veteran entrepreneurs. Now, sometimes people chase the money, right? Uh, sometimes people are seduced by the success of maybe a product that they happen to get in on. NFTs are a perfect example, right? Like someone could blow up on that right now. Yeah. That is so crazy. Yeah, yeah it, is. It, it is. It is. But then they can get to a point where they're like, okay, I want to try something else. What is the difference between pivoting and surrendering you know, to what you probably should be doing? Well, I think you should always, you know, try new ideas and not every idea is going to work. I mean, everything I've tried has not worked. You know, oftentimes I realize, okay, I think I, I went too fast trying to pursue this. I needed to wait. I needed to have a little more patience. And then maybe it's something you put in the proverbial parking lot and you come back to it. But I think for all of us is sometimes you have to pivot, or I like to say, because all my work in football, you got to call an audible. And sometimes what you saw, it might need to change a little bit. So all of a sudden, we're going to go in another direction. The defense does one thing, I'm going to have to run another play. And so I think as long as you continue to believe in yourself and chase your passions, people's passions could change. But one thing I always encourage people to do is stay connected to that burn, that internal drive, that fire. Your fire. Not what somebody else would want you to say. Not what that old managing partner would have wanted me to say. Not, I'm not going to live for what he wants me to live for right? It's you actually doing what is most important to you and for your family and for chasing down your dreams. Talk to me about confidence. You had to have had an enormous amount of confidence being top 2%, but to be presented with those papers in front of a managing partner is a completely different level. Like, you know, the kind of statue in the storm situation. So like, is that more of self-awareness than confidence? What is that experience where, where you're turning down something where you know it was what you were probably meant to do? Well, it's also so there's a full understanding of the story. You know, as I mentioned in 2010, I was growing a company. So it's not like I left and I hadn't generated income sure. yet. It's not right. I had already written books. I was already coaching people. I was already speaking. So I had a taste of what it could be like. But what ended up happening was it was this conflict, right? It's you're trying to do two things at the same time. And a a dear mentor of mine named John Gordon, who's actually who led me to Christ, and he's been with me my entire journey. He's an amazing man. But he kept encouraging me, you got to leave. And he'd be direct, which I think is important. You know, far too often we have the mentors who are like, you're amazing. You're doing it. It's like, no, if your coach or mentor is always telling you that you're amazing, you probably need to find a new mentor or coach. Like you need somebody who challenges you, pushes you, lets you know you have room to grow. That's why I feel... Like it's always this pursuit to get better because I have all these blessings of people in my life who are doing way more than I'm doing. And so there was this budding of the two. And finally, he's like, you just need, to, it's too much conflict. Not bad conflict, sure. but conflict of your time. Mm-hmm. 
And until you go all in, you'll never know what it would be like. So it was the experience of the surrendering to God coupled with the mentors and coaches, because essentially what John was saying, I believe in you. I don't know if you see it for yourself yet, but I believe in you. And when your mentor is 10 years ahead of you in terms of doing what your vision dictates that you want to do, probably a good idea to, to listen. He knew. And now I joke with him. I say, gosh, I should have, I should have listened sooner. Yeah. But once again, it all happens the way it's supposed to. I want to switch gears. If I am a potential All-American at Alabama or K-State, uh, and this is back in 2000-whatever, and Ben Newman comes in, and he's going to talk to me about mental fortitude and toughness. I'm like, who's this guy? How do you talk to a locker room of athletes who potentially want you to have the credibility of having done what they've done? Because for you, that mentorship is important, clearly. Uh, so how did you do that? If someone wants to make that pivot and encourage these young men and women, you know, regardless of the sport, to just kind of elevate, how was that experience? And did you have any trouble? So within the first five, six, seven minutes, of my first team talk, at, it really started for me at North Dakota State. That was the first football team that I worked with and was there for four years, won a handful of national championships. And then Coach Kleiman, now the head coach of Kansas State, brought me with him. So this is my seventh year working with Coach Kleiman, which is wild when you think how fast time goes. And then Coach Saban I've been with for four years with Alabama. And so that first talk at Alabama, that first talk at North Dakota State, that first talk at Kansas State, within the first five to seven minutes, they knew my story. Those players knew the pain that I had to endure as a young boy growing up. They knew that my parents were divorced at six months old. They knew that my mother had a rare muscle disease that there was no cure for, even to this day that there's no cure for. They knew that there were other sets of challenges that I had to endure when my father moved back into the house after my mother passed away 11 days before my eighth birthday. So all I ever knew was pain and challenge as a young boy. A lot of my mentors and coaches call me an old soul because I had to grow up fast. So imagine... I'm meeting you for the first time, and I'm sharing my heart, my fire, my passion, my burn, the reason where my can That has nothing to do with football. It has nothing to do with fighting, football, insurance, investments, nothing. It has to do with you. And so by the time I share the story, I always say, look, I'm not the only one in this room that has a story. Each and every single one of you, you have a story. And that story is where you find your fire, your passion, your conviction, your pain is what often gives you the ability to understand your real strength. The moment that we connect there, it's where the relationship begins. And it's been a blessing for me that, you know, Coach Saban recognized early, like, okay, this guy's here for the right reasons. Yeah, we, we want to win football games, but this kid's here because he cares about these players. The infinite game. And same thing, absolutely. Same thing that, you know, Coach Kleiman recognized. I mean, I remember Coach Kleiman, you know, I'm coming in, if you can picture this. They had just won four straight national championships at North Dakota State. Carson Wentz is sitting in the front row, projected to be a top five pick. He ends up going number two, right? He's had a, already won a Super Bowl and done, you know, incredible, had some challenges, yep. but his, his new beginnings in Indianapolis are going to be special. I can sure. promise you that. And so here I walk in, you've got a guy who's going to be a top five draft pick. You've got a team that just won four. I'm wondering, what the world? Like, why are you bringing me in here? And by the time I connected to their hearts, and shared what I believed the opportunity was, which was to keep attacking one day at a time, regardless of how many championships, because you're writing a legacy. This team is a team that's different from last year. It's going to be different the next year, but the ball is in your hands. What will the legacy of this team be? And Coach Kleiman jumps up and bear hugs me. I'd only met the guy, and I was just like, okay, I think this went <laughs> okay. 
And here we are seven years later because I think we started with relationship. I didn't start with some strategy or technique or here's a mental training tool that do this and it's going to work. Although you have those things. I have those things. But you didn't lead with that. <laughs> well, if, if, I, if I couldn't have connected with what I believe is most important, which is your understanding in your heart because we're all different, then how could we even pivot, move, call audibles or go anywhere from there? Yeah. And so for me, it's where I've always started. It's where I started in the corporate world. It's, you know, you'd be blown away the number of people for those young entrepreneurs that are listening. It's okay if you're not 100% clear on what motivates you right now. Yes. It's okay if you feel like I just, I wake up and I just get after it. At some point in time, let's work on establishing some more clarity or purpose or drive or fire behind what that hard work is, because then you establish more clarity and awareness and intentional focus. But there's, there's clients that I work with running companies over $100 million in the corporate space that I, that I work in. And my initial conversations with them, they don't know what their burn is. And I always share with them, I say, I got good news and bad news. And they're like, what's the bad news? Bad news is you don't know what the hell you're doing this for. The good news is, is you're leading a company that's already doing over $100 million and you don't know why the hell you're doing it yet. So imagine if you establish that clarity or that fire. And I think it comes to, we don't know. We don't know what we don't know. Well, they told me I could make a lot of money. So what do you do? You focus on money. Or they told me I could do this. Or they told me if I just worked really hard. And it's important to work hard. But imagine working hard with clarity, purpose, and focus. Don't worry about the money. The byproduct will be plenty of money. I want to sit here right in front of you and be stupidly honest that I have set out to do a lot of things. I've had some good success. The podcast is absolutely blowing up right now. But I've been listening to you and Ed and a couple of the others, and I'm like, I actually don't have like the clarity, but I'm actually not phased by it because I acknowledge that that lack of clarity exists. It's just literally something I have to attack. But I am with you that it's not uncommon. I think every everything that we do is progressive and success is uphill. It's always going to be uphill. So it's just all these uncoverings little by little. So what you're saying to me makes complete sense. Now, the other thing is, as someone who does personal branding specifically, Everything you said goes against what probably everyone thinks how your first speech should be to a team that you just got hired to help. And I think that's obviously why you're going to be a staple at both organizations or anyone else that wants to hire you because you believe in the connection first, which is insane to me. Uh, That's very non-standard. So so let's pivot. um, If I could mention one thing. Please, please. Because I'm willing to get thrown out the door. (laughs) If I can't establish a relationship, I don't want to sell some gimmicky tool or or say, oh, I could do this, or give you some, I'll do this, and it's going to be amazing. If we don't connect, throw me out the door. Because mm-hmm. I'd, I'd rather know for your sake and my sake, you, you politely ask me to leave, than have me stay for the wrong reasons. And so I, I think it's important that you got to go, go for it for the right reasons. Of course. So as you continue to build out, um, and you started having teams, and then you're working with teams, can you talk to me about some of any leadership challenge you may have had, I, I think that's something that once people start to grow a little bit, and you had obviously some of that already when you were working in finance, but as you're growing team and the Ben Newman companies and things like that, how do you go about establishing them? How do you find that trust that you're going to have in some people in key positions off the bat? What is your mindset like? So believe it or, believe it or not, and nobody's asked me this question either, and I've never really talked much about it, but a lot of times if I work with a leader, there's a commonality of not allowing, I'll I'll, I'll phrase it this way, actually. When I first did work with Microsoft, Mm -hmm. so I was hired by a $7 billion solutions team from Microsoft that I engaged with for a little over a year. And it actually came from my North Dakota State relationship. It was amazing how that all happened. 
But one of the lessons I learned from the leader, Leif, from this group was he said, at Microsoft, we fail fast and we fail forward. And he said, the reason why is because we're in the technology space. He goes, imagine you spend six months developing something in the world of technology, it changes immediately. So you better adapt and you better have a willingness to move forward or you're going to be in serious trouble. And so what that caused him to do as a leader was to have incredible trust in his people. And it's one of the things that I've always believed. I don't need you to be perfect. I'm not going to be perfect. And this isn't life or death. We're not performing surgeries. So let's not try to get too serious about what we're doing and let's just show up and be our best every day. And then, so if we fail, let's just fail forward. Let's learn from it so we don't repeat the same mistakes if we don't have to. The other thing was trust. Our entire team, none live in St. Louis. So Anna, who's been my, my right arm, I mean, it's, it's just amazing what she has meant to the growth of our company. I had Kim, who was amazing before Anna. She retired early when she started having babies. Kim was amazing, took tremendous ownership. Now Anna's been with me for six years. I feel blessed to have had these people who have taken ownership. Anna has literally lived in different cities, mm-hmm. never, lived, never lived in the same city. She's getting ready to go and live in Spain. And I'll keep, why? Because she takes ownership. I don't have to worry about Anna doing what she says she's going to do. How do you qualify someone with ownership before they're actually on the payroll? Well, it, it's, you can't do it before they're on the payroll, but you can see it once they get on the payroll. And so some of the things, she might be upset for me saying this, but <laughs> when she lived in Boston, she would text me sometimes, I guess the traffic was crazy and you could only park in certain places at certain times. And she was like, she would just try to explain it. I'm like, this is just crazy. And she would text me and she'd be like, is it okay if I go move my car? And I would remind her like, don't ever text me to go and move, just do whatever you got to do. Yeah. But when somebody's doing that, you think you can trust that person? Over communicating, yeah. Over, of course I could. So it, it, it was things like that that happened over and over and over again that made me say like, I have no worries about you working on another planet, (laughs) you working in Spain, you working in Cuba, I don't care where you are. And we've really been blessed that that's how it's been. The uh, Jeremy Patty, who runs our coaching division down in Dallas, Texas, I've known him for 15 years. I mean, he's a former pastor, so kind of like Von Kohler, right? Former pastors, you trust him, whatever you say. (laughs) I had no worries about Jeremy. And then now we have Monique Saar, who runs our speakers bureau. And so, you know, Monique lives in Denver. So there's all these people who are, Sean O'Brien, who is the president of our Uncommon Coaching Platform. So all of these individuals, they're in different, I mean, he lives in Sacramento mm-hmm. and he's amazing. I've, I've talked to him multiple and, times. And great, great dude. It, I mean, he's absolutely incredible at what he does. And so it's just tremendous trust that I've always had that the team is going to perform. And I think if we hold on too tightly and try to control people, it's hard to build a relationship. Mm-hmm. If I know that we're not performing surgeries and it's okay if we fail, because what are we going to fail? Maybe you charge the wrong amount on somebody's credit card or you sent the wrong invoice amount for a deposit for a speaking engagement. I mean, it's an easy fix. Hey, sorry, we'll refund the money. I mean, what are we really doing? And so to put too much pressure on somebody, I think, is unnecessary. So as leaders, I think we have to pick and choose those battles and fights. Where do we apply pressure? But trust and communication is so important. One of the best leaders I ever had always used to say in the Marine Corps, he'd always say, communication is very simple. It's what do I know, who needs to know, and do they know? Because if you literally follow that, you will never, as a communicator, if, whether it's downwards or upwards, like you will always succeed. And I've, that's stuck with me ever since. Well, I, if I could mention, because I, I know you had mentioned that the whole echelon front and Jocko Willink is yeah. how you had gotten connected to Andy Frisella, which yeah. is how you got connected with me. And yeah, so it's, it's amazing insanity. how <laughs> the world we live in today, because... 
you know, when I grew up, it's like, you know, there were no cell phones, there's no internet, you get a yeah. pager. I mean, it's, it's amazing. Like our kids will never even know like the craziness yes. that we grew up with. But I think about Jocko Willink when we both spoke at the same Arate event, mm -hmm. and he spoke after I did. I'm like, can I stay on and listen to Jocko? Like, <laughs> I want to hear Jocko speak because I invited me to speak. And I said, I, I have to hear Jocko. And he talked about the feedback loop. Mm -hmm. And he said, I always trust our team. And he goes, sometimes we take little steps. Where I know you're mm -hmm. 17 years in the Marines. You understand this. But for everybody listening, I yeah. think it's an it's a important picture to paint. Is Jocko said, sometimes we take little steps. We're not going to take a big step and go run right into the middle of a, of a battlefield. But he goes, we'll take little steps. Mm -hmm. If you don't experience any conflict with those little steps, we'll take another little step. All of a sudden, you see fire coming your way. We might run a feedback loop, back it back up, and then we're going to make a different move. Mm -hmm. And it was just so important because that, to me, is a life lesson. Yeah. Everybody wants to just run out and go do it yeah. as opposed to slow down, take your time, be methodical, and do the right job. The incremental progress is excruciating for people. And, and I think I got past that very quickly. I, I understand the long game now, but I think, I mean, you guys talk about this a lot, but everything caters to our impatience. Everything's about how fast can I get it? There's a lot of things that you could get whatever you need. It could be groceries, it could be information, it could be getting in touch with the client, it could be access to one of your YouTube videos. It doesn't matter. Everything is so instantaneous that that doesn't seem like a logical way to go about it because you have so much to do, but the beauty's in the journey, obviously. All right, everyone, time for a quick break. If you don't have time to create content, I do. I could create three months worth of content for you that could be repurposed on any platform, provide the copy for you, all in about five hours. It's called the show up and shoot model. It's our favorite model. I show up and shoot. My team and I show up and shoot. No more than two people. It might just be me depending on the needs. We knock it out. You have nothing to think about. I will coach you. We will do as many takes as we need, but rarely have I ever, ever got to five hours. We come back. I upload it. Our team edits it. We QA it. We add captions. We provide draft copy for you. And then it's yours. Schedule it, post it whenever it is you want. And then you're good. And then we don't have to talk for another quarter if you liked it. And if you liked it and you want to figure out how to hire other people to do it, because maybe you have personnel on your team that have the capacity to do more, I'll teach them. No worries. I will teach them. But if you don't have the time, like all the business owners I know, to create and strategize your content, you got to email me. Info at richcardonamedia.com or you could DM me on Instagram at richcardona or on LinkedIn. Let's get back to the show. So you said in a podcast I listened to, and it stuck with me super hard, was the work comes before the belief. And I'm like, okay. And you are obviously, uh, and you'll get all Ben's resources in the show notes, but you are all about repositioning. And I am. And you said in another podcast as well, like, I am going to be one of the top speakers. I am going to be one of the top sports representatives in the world or whatever, maybe not forget the terminology, but the work comes before the belief. Can you elaborate on that a, a little bit uh, for people who are maybe new to the game and are just like, nothing's happened. It's been two years. I'm not paying myself. I could hardly keep people on payroll. Well, I think you, you have to have vision, but then a lot of times you have the vision. And, and everybody will tell you, this is how great I want to be. But if we don't back up those words with action, then you're never really going to write the story of what that vision is, right? Say, so, oh, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. Well, let me have a conversation with your action, and I'll figure out how bad you really want it. 
So you have to have the vision, but we establish more and more belief by what our action says about how we're doing, right? So I'm going to perform this action step and this, and one, I'm just going to keep going after it and going after it and going at it. When I left the financial services business, I was blessed in that career to have a guy named Al Granham. And Al Granham studied 1,500 financial advisors back in the 70s and literally said, if this is what you do, you'll be a successful financial advisor. So I had IM statements back then. I'm going to be at this level of production. Once I painted that vision, you got to bring it back, put the work right in front of your face. I just did what Granham did. I went and found the really successful people in the industry and said, I want to do what they do. What do they do? And then add a little bit extra to it. And so I added that little bit extra to it. Now I call that the unrequired, didn't call it back then. But, and so then you'd put the little bit extra to it. And then it was the action every single day, which caused you to say, oh my gosh, like the, this, is, this is happening. And then the belief gets stronger and the conviction gets stronger and the confidence, as you alluded to, increases. And then you realize like the only person that's going to beat me is myself. And I'm in an industry where there really is no competition. I think a lot of people that do what I do, they think there's competition. Nobody's my company. You know how many speaking engagements there are in a year? Do you know how many people there are to coach? Like, I'll share ideas. I want to share Do you believe there's no competition? Or do you believe there's no competition because you're so good at what you do? I believe that there's no competition, like, because I can learn and grow from somebody. Mm -hmm. You know, so like for me, like my mentors, they would never be competition to me. That's a blessing. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody who's provided an example. I always say that I'm blessed to have mentors that I'll never catch. And some people think that that's not a positive statement. That's a very positive statement. Because mm -hmm. I always tell John Gordon, because I had mentioned earlier, you know, him being 10 years ahead of me, every time I see him when we're together, I'm like, keep going. Don't stop. Don't slow down. I want to And if you can get like, add an extra five years, like get five years, even get 15 years ahead of me, get 20 years ahead of me. If, because I want a mentor that I'll never catch. And I think that's a very positive statement. So I don't believe in competition. People will call me for advice on things. I'll give them advice. And I think that when you live that way in more of an abundant mentality, then to me, there's no better way to live. I want to talk about coaching. It's a very scary expense. It's a very scary expense when your marketing is not under, under control or when your website's under construction or when um, your close percentage is under 10%, whatever it may be. And then someone might say, maybe it's time for a coach, which is different than a mentor. Talk to me about the reluctance uh, people have with coaching and, and the expectation of, well, if I hire Ben, I better make five times ROI on that. Yeah. Otherwise, what am I doing with my money? Can you talk to me about that? Yeah, so let's, let's start with, let's give an analogy. So I've gotten lucky in the world of football. So when I was at NDSU, I was working with the all-time winningest one double-A football program in the history of college football. And also at the same time working for Alabama football, which is the all-time winning. So you're working for the two all-time winningest programs in the history of college football with two of what I believe to be the greatest coaches to ever coach the game. So imagine those two coaches not being there to coach. How many championships would have been won? And so it, it's not that a player can't perform without a coach but you need direction, right? Sometimes players aren't going to see what a coach's eye sees on film. Coach Saban's been doing this over 40 years. What is Coach Saban going to see when you break down game film that maybe you don't see? Mm -hmm. Not that one day you can't see it, but he evaluates it differently. Mm -hmm. And what if Coach Saban can see something that you don't see that he shares with you by finding your edge in the details, which is a lesson Coach Kleiman always teaches us at K-State. You find that edge in the details, it's a different perspective, it might change your career. It might make you a pro bowler, right? It might earn you that next contract because of that one thing that you find. 
So how valuable is that one thing? So how valuable is coaching? And so a lot of times I think it's the fear, doubts, and uncertainties. Is the coaching going to work? One of the methodologies that I've always had, I will never change this, and the 11 coaches that we have, it's the exact same. Nobody is contracted to work with us. So it's not, you have to sign up for 12 months. You need to give me 12 months to prove that I can make this happen. It is month to month. If I'm not delivering and I am failing you as your coach and we're not meeting your expectations, it doesn't work, I'm fired. And I should be fired. Just like if Coach Saban, all of a sudden the players can't stand him and he's not winning and things aren't going well and kids aren't growing and kids aren't graduating, do you think Coach Saban would have a job? Would Coach Kleiman have a job? No, they'd get fired. And so I've always believed that we have to deliver because it's not about me, it's about the client. But so just let me just follow through on this. So the coaches are so important. And then you have to ask yourself, how are you currently showing up? See, because I think our natural tendency is a lot of times when I was a financial advisor and now still coaching advisors, people say, I'm going to go get my exams. I'm going to go get this. I'm going to go get that. I'm going to get these licenses. I'm like, why do you want to get those licenses? Not that, I'm not saying don't. Not, why do you want to hit these goals? Yeah. And if you don't have clarity on the reason why you want to do it, how focused are you going to be on actually doing it? And so a lot of times people get caught up in because they think they're supposed to focus on their marketing. They're supposed to focus on their website. I've been blessed to have a business that's grown year over year over year over year. And I've had websites over the years that have been terrible. I probably need updates on my website now. I have people who kind of like, but we're moving in this direction. We got a team that's working hard. The business is growing. Eventually we'll get to that. So which is more important? Focusing on the daily disciplines and why you're doing it or making sure that your website looks perfect? I want to ask, on the same lines of thinking, if we hire a coach or she hires a coach, I hire a coach, and I'm not necessarily ready to be coached, and now I'm literally investing in you to help me get to the point where I get that clarity or get the coaching, you know, how do you keep on to that person? As the coach, how do you have the patience and it's, you certainly strike me as someone who's not like, I'm happy to take your money until you figure it out. You're more of the type of person like, we are going to figure this out. But as a coach, that's a really difficult challenge to work with someone who's uncoachable. Do you turn people away? Do you say, this is about how long it's going to take before I think we have clarity? So I, I don't want to use the word fire, but I help people understand you have self-selected yourself out of the opportunity for us to be working together. Right. I, I don't I don't need the money. I don't need your money. Right. In order for my business to run. I, I want to do this if I can help you grow. Right. I am running a business. Right. So there's a cost. Yeah. And as a result of past results and helping people grow, there's a reason why there's a cost for me to coach somebody. No different than there's a reason why Coach Saban has a salary. He doesn't show up for free or Coach Kleiman has a salary. But if somebody's not meeting the expectations of me attempting to coach them, we're going to have a conversation about it. And it has happened in the past. And there's other things that happen. Sometimes I feel like we've reached a point where maybe we've maxed out in our opportunity to work together. And I'll just have a clear conversation and say, as hard as this is, because I love you and I care about you, I feel like we're starting to have some of the same conversations and we're not moving down the road anymore. What do you think? Should we go down to meeting once you know, per month instead of twice per month? Or should we take some time off? Because I always make the joke with people because they're always surprised when I have a willingness to have those conversations. Yeah. I'm like, what, did you think we were going to be 80, like hanging out, drinking wine, and I'm still coaching you? Like, hey, let's go. At some point in time, it was going to end. Yeah. And it's okay. But also sometimes when you have those real conversations, that's the conversation that's needed for somebody to say, why am I not listening? 100%. And so the willingness for me to say, I'll walk away, sometimes is what causes somebody to engage. I love it. I'm looking at all this 
stuff. And if you guys are not, in my viewpoint, I'm looking at helmets, I'm looking at boxing gloves, I'm looking at signed footballs. You've worked, and I've listened to some of the people you've worked with. I, I've heard Will Compton. I obviously know Jerry Rice and Tyrone. Uh, God, yeah, Tyrone. So when it comes to these people that you've worked with, I have to ask, you work with very, very, very high-level performers, but they have to have some doubts. What are some of the things for the people out there who have those kind of tombstone days, or maybe they're a successful entrepreneur, they're finally making progress, but they have those days where they're just like, I don't have it. Does that happen at high levels as well? Oh, without question. It happens at, it happens at every level. It happens with me. I, I've learned over time to understand the conversations that the little guy is trying to have with me that sits on my shoulder. So I, those conversations don't last very long, but I still have two coaches. I think a lot of times people think, oh, why would this guy have a coach? I literally have two coaches. I, I shared earlier, one of my coaches, I still have her back from 2010. I mean, I've worked with her over 10 years. She helps me see things just like when I alluded to the breaking down the game. She helps me see things that I'm not looking at. Maybe I'm moving too fast in a certain area. I still have coaches. I'm still reading books every single day. So we all have fears, doubts, and uncertainties, or sometimes we may question, here's where I believe I can get to, but my action is not following through with that belief. Okay, why do you believe that? And then sometimes it's asking, is that what you really want? Is that what your head coach wants you to have? Is that what the owner of the company would want you to have? Or is that what you really want? And sometimes people are focused on the wrong thing, which then they have a struggle with belief. Other times, people just aren't consistent enough. No, 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 that's exactly what I want. Okay, well, then what's causing you to fall short? Are you connecting to the real reason why? Maybe they don't connect enough. I'll share something because I'm staring at his jersey and it means so much to me. Uh, but Levante David, who is the defensive captain for the Buccaneers. Yes, I DM'd you that night. I'm yeah. like, this dude. I'm like, so oh. I've had the opportunity to work with Levante for eight years. So I've, I've worked with Levante through the pain and the struggle of Bucks teams that were absolutely horrible. I'm not sharing anything private because he's mentioned it on the sure. interviews that I've done with him. But one of the things that really connected the two of us was the loss of our mothers. Mm -hmm. So me losing my mother 11 days before my eighth birthday and Levante lost his mother five years ago. So now this, there's this commonality that we have that we always talk about. And when he thinks of his mom, and he's actually created an environment, as he mentioned in one of our episodes of The Burn, when he leaves his house, there's a picture of his mom. He kisses his mom every day. Well, what's the likelihood that Levante, because he intentionally connected that environment, is going to go have a poor day after he just connected to, Mom, I'm going to go do this for you. All right, same for me. When I wake up, legacy bracelet on my phone, my alarm when I wake up, Janet Fishman Newman, I've got a burn journal. I write down my mother's name every morning. So what's the likelihood? The first thing I see is my mother's name on my phone, then I'm going to hit the snooze button and go back to bed. It's not happening. And so I think we all have to connect for the right reasons. That ends up silencing the fears and the doubts. doesn't mean this person won a Super Bowl. They'll never have any fears. Of course they'll have them. Tom Brady has them. But there's a, a silencing of the conversation, a willingness to work through them, and understanding that a connection to the reason why you want to keep fighting in the action ultimately is what silences the fears, doubts, negativity, and uncertainty. Last question is going to be about something people who don't follow you or who are listening know, which is that you get up. I thought I got up early. I get up at 4 a.m. Uh, you have, and it's, it's called unrequired, essentially. Actually, and we need to make sure we co cover uncommon leadership. But... You have a physical routine that is just beyond me. And because I feel like that grounds you in such a crazy way, talk to us about how important living that lifestyle is to you, even though you're working with people on talent levels that you could probably never achieve if you tried, but you are putting in the work every day. 
So first off, let me say there are mornings that I wake up that I don't want to do my unrequired workout. There's mornings that I wake up that I don't want to read. There's mornings that I wake up that I don't want to put my head in my daily devotional. There's mornings I w- that happens to me. But the key is I've recognized over time from doing it consistently that if I want to be in the right mindset to take on the challenge and adversity of life, I have to do those things to be mentally prepared. And so I think that's number one is is always asking people, do you clearly understand what you want to do? Not, I could tell somebody my routine, but my routine is meaningless to you if you wouldn't want to do it. So what's your routine that's going to prepare you when that first piece of adversity strikes to attack? Or when you get that first big win of the day that you won't define yourself based upon the sale that you made, you'll define yourself on the commitment that you made to be the best you could be that day and to follow through with great effort, to look in the mirror at the end of the day, say today I gave it my very best because that's winning. So for me, I've learned this is what it takes to win. So I have to get my work in and I have to do these things. If I don't do them, the other thing I've identified because of my work is I'm a fraud. So imagine if you would have said, first question was, Ben, what was your morning routine today? I said, Rich, I wish you would have asked me on a different day. <laughs> Skip my workout, didn't feel like it, hit the snooze button 17 times, had the biggest fat stack of pancakes you've ever seen in your life with extra butter and syrup, Skip my workout, you know what, told my wife I didn't feel like taking the kids to school, so she took them to school. But you know what, I was ready when you got to my house for this interview. I'd say, where's Ben Newman at? Right. (laughs) If you said that to me. But I'd be a fake. (laughs) And so how many of us are showing up not doing the things that we know we need to do? So I've just learned that if I'm going to have a conversation with Levante David, that it's important for me that I get my workout in. It's important for me that I eat right. It's important for me that when I show up to have a conversation with a Hall of Famer, that when I have a conversation with that Hall of Famer, he can look at me and know that even though I wasn't a football player, even though I was never a captain of a Super Bowl championship team, he knows I'm putting in my work to be prepared for that conversation. He knows that I'm being the best for my family. And I get all that. And I want to I wanna add a level to it. Like, why does it have to be so granular? Like, when you're, you, you are going to talk to someone, you're a client, and you have to eat right for that day, it's like, okay, I get that. You need to get your workout in? Sure, I got it. At the same time, you could go off on the deep end if you're like, well, I also got to make sure I shave, right? Or I got to make sure I wear this shirt. Like, at what point does it become counterproductive, if at all? I don't shave every day. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll take you to, you, you mentioned it, my uh, next book comes out August the 3rd. It's called Uncommon Leadership, and it's 11 ways that the greatest leaders lead. Yeah. And chapter one explores Coach Saban's mindset and what I've learned from Coach Saban. And the title of that chapter is The Way You Do One Thing is the Way You Do Everything. And that's something that if you came to practice with me in Tuscaloosa, you'd stand on the sideline and you would hear Coach Saban say, the way you do one thing. So what does that mean? It means, guys, if you skip class, you're probably going to slack off in practice. If you decide not to follow through with your recovery that the trainers have recommended that you do, the ice bath, whatever it might be, you're probably not going to watch your game film. If you decide to skip your tutor, you might not be focused on your preparation for the game. So you have to lock in on all of the details for you to know that you're giving it your best to perform in all those areas. So for me, you see lessons from a guy like Coach Saban, who's the best to ever do it. Why would I question that? So for me, that that's all I've known is that, okay, I have to eat right in order to be an example. To, and the eating right isn't I have to eat right necessarily to, you know, challenge you or have great accountability in our meeting today, it's because I said I was going to eat right. And it's a matter of doing what I said I was going to do, because how can I hold you accountable if I don't do the things that I said I was going to do in my own life? I think Simon says it in his book. No, maybe it's Rich Divini, but that 
leaders, no one will listen to leaders as much as they watch them. And, and I thought that was kind of profound because the do-say ratio to me is everything. That, that is the ultimate dictator. And I know you've obviously talked about it leading by example and you're a big John Wooden fan and, and all that kind of stuff. So I think that's huge. So Can I say something very, yeah, please, very, very, please. very humbly? Of course. So I have, I think, six coaching clients right now because I want to hammer home this. Point. Yeah. Six coaching clients, non-sports, all in the business world, who hired me because of the crazy workout that I do in the morning. <laughs> And I've literally had people call me and say, how, you do this every, like how many days in a row? Like you're going to be my coach. How many days is it in a row, by the so way? So today was 679. And so for just to put it into context, so it's 679 straight days of doing an exercise that's 10 exercises that takes 45 minutes. So it's not like, oh, I've done 20 push-ups yep. every day, 679 days. Yeah. <laughs> I've done something for, it takes 45 minutes. Many people, when they try it for the first time, they're like, how in the hell are you going to do that on the second day? Yeah. And it's just, I built up the tolerance to do it. But so people say, if you're willing to do that, I want you to coach me. So it's the example. And, and they may ne- I may not even recommend that workout to them. It might not even make sense for them to do that. But for me, that's how I've pushed myself personally to be the example, to set, to say, hey, let's go really challenge ourselves. Because if we're going to live life, let's really live it. Let's really push ourselves to live it. 100%. So let's wrap with Uncommon Leadership. Uh, so you said it's coming out August 3rd. Talk to me about the idea behind the book. And this is your fourth book or fifth? Is that my seventh? Seventh. Yeah. Although there's a couple quote books. We probably shouldn't count gotcha. those. All right. But uh, no, that's my seventh book. And it's wild because I used to not even like reading books. And, Same. And, and here I now write books. And so it's 11 ways that the greatest leaders lead. So there's 11 leaders that have had a significant impact on my life. And it's lessons that I've learned from those individuals and how they apply to all of us as leaders. And there are some significant mental training tools, lessons that I've applied in the corporate space as well as the sports space from standard over feelings to focusing on intentional focus versus pressure to prize fighter days. It's, it's just a litany of tools and actionable takeaways, which was important for me in the book that people could read the book. It's shorter. It's only about 150 pages, but it's short and to the point. So if you're leading a meeting with your team tomorrow, you could read that first chapter and have a lesson to teach. If you're on chapter four, you've got a lesson to teach. And and I wanted it to apply in that way that on every page or in every chapter, there were actionable takeaways that you could apply Mm -hmm. that have had an impact on me as well. Awesome. So if people want to look you up or find you, where do you want them to go? And if they're ever interested in coaching, uh, do you have any resources for them? So I'd say at continued fight is probably the very best way in order to get in contact um, with me and you're actually getting me. So other than uh, Tyler, our creative director who posts our videos, like my morning post is me. I'm actually the one posting it. So you're part of what I believe I have to do to be ready in the mornings. I have to give of myself to the world. So you're getting my thoughts, whatever's on my mind. I like to give to the world first thing in the morning. So I, that's probably at continued fight is the best on Instagram. Instagram. Yep. And then as far as coaching goes, you know, you can send me a DM that just says the word coaching or uh, what's probably easiest is coaching at bennewman.net. We actually offer through Jeremy an opportunity to have a free inquiry to figure out, you know, why is it that you want coaching? Where are you in your career? What are the things that are important to you? Going back to making sure that it's a good fit. Awesome. Well, Ben, I cannot thank you enough for all the the knowledge that you just uh, delivered here. And we wish you nothing but the best and maybe a couple more championship seasons. Well, thank you so much for reaching (laughs) out. I appreciate it. It was awesome. Thank you. All right, everyone, please check out Ben 
you know, all his links are going to be in the show notes. Great books. Uh, I mean, look, Ben and I DM pretty consistently. He is a real, true source of inspiration for me. He's incredibly level-headed. His work ethic is insane. His success is tangible. You don't get in the circles he gets in if you aren't just an absolute machine. And that's exactly what he is. That's exactly why I had him on. And I'm so glad that he said yes, because when I have that kind of personnel in my ecosystem to look up to, I can never slack off, ever. I don't want to anyway, but I could just never, not with someone like that watching. So check him out. And look, uh, globally, we were top 100 in business and education for this podcast, uh, US-based across all platforms. Uh, And then for US-based, I believe we were 75 and then 50, 50 in education. I mean, dude, thank you guys. Thank you so much for supporting the Leadership Blocker. Please subscribe, share it with a friend who needs to hear, you know, some of these stories that are going to help them in their entrepreneurial journey and consider leaving a written review because those mean the world to me. Look, and if it's negative, I'm a Marine, man. I could take it thick skin all the way. Okay. I just want to make sure I'm doing a good job and bringing you the most, the, the best possible guests and the best possible knowledge I can. See you next week. 